Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hi, folks. Welcome to another episode of Film Study. This is Ken McCusick, and we're here for this week's Friday Morning GM with co-host Voss Larikos. Voss, how are you doing? Excited, Ken. Very excited for this heavyweight matchup. How can you not be? This is the team the Ravens have been chasing for uh, since Lamar was drafted, and here's a, here's a great opportunity to uh, to claim that mantle and dethrone these Chiefs. Yeah, it's a uh, it's kind of odd. This game is being played in Baltimore in a way. Uh, as recently as about six or seven weeks ago, it looked like it'd probably be played in Kansas City yet again, with the Chiefs leading in the AFC. The Chiefs stumbled some down the stretch, uh, lost a couple additional games. The Ravens, of course, uh, went three and one in their final four, uh, and were uh, were able to get the game here in Baltimore, which is, uh, I think, unquestionably a very significant. Um, proposition here for the Ravens that first of all they got the number one seed they didn't have to play they got the Texans in the first game which is a about as good a divisional matchup as you can get Texans are you know a perfectly talented team but they're just not in the class with the other three AFC teams that were still alive in that round and now it's the Chiefs in the AFC championship yeah Houston's a young team um I think Buffalo probably would have been a better matchup but Kansas City has more of a poetic feel to it first conference championship game of my lifetime at home and uh, the list of legends with Ray Lewis and Ed Reed and Jonathan Ogden and Suggs and all of our uh, heroes from the past coming back. It should be an amazing atmosphere. Can't wait. Yeah. It's uh, it's looking good. They, they did not go with the all black uniforms. We heard, I guess, I don't know whether it came out yesterday or today. They're wearing the purple tops and the black pants. Good combination. I'm not a big uniform guy, but I do love it when they pull out the black uniforms in prime time. I like the black. I like the color rush. Uh, the color rush is probably my favorite, but uh, yeah, not a big uniform guy. More about the, how they're playing uh, than what they're wearing for me. <laughs> All right, well, let's, let's jump right into the injury report here because that came out yesterday, and you're really seeing some of the impacts of the rest versus rust, the additional bye week, the not playing in week 18 really shows up in this uh, AFC Conference Championship injury report. And this is just the first one of three that came out on the 24th. So it's yesterday's injury report. Okay, let's be careful about this. We're recording this on Thursday for release on Friday. We're really talking about Wednesday's injury report, the Thursday injury report not yet out, but uh, a pretty favorable one for the Ravens considering this time of year. Sure. Only five Only five uh, players listed. A total is compared to um, KC. I didn't add it up, but it looked like they had maybe 15 or 20 guys on theirs. Yeah, let's see. Yeah, I make it like 16 or 17. It's 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 a, it's a it's a full list. Now, I think a lot of Kansas City's is going to be cleared up on Thursday, but let's go through the Ravens. I count six guys. They have Mark Andrews who's still returning from IRDTR. He might be not be on your list. Full participant on Wednesday, expected to play on Sunday. Uh, that's big news for the Ravens. Sure. Sure sure is. You know, Lamar's uh 
what do they call it, bread and butter, um, his go-to guy for the duration of his career to date so far. Um, it'd be interesting to see how they utilize him. I, I don't expect him to take over completely uh, all the tight end reps. Maybe this is more of a 12 game, or maybe he's eased in, but uh, whether even if it's just in the red zone, uh, one way or another, it's good to have Mark back out there. Yes, absolutely. And and a lot of people are saying they, they you know, in some ways it really helped for Andrews to be out. I think you can count me in that camp now. The, the mm-hmm. emergence of Isaiah likely has been remarkable. Uh, you know, he's been 11 and a half yards per target now and all the time Andrews has been out. And I don't think they can they can turn their back on that. They either have to figure out how to fold it in, uh, use them rotationally, keep Andrews on a pitch count or do something that, that still continues to emphasize what likely is brought to the field. Because I think at this point, as of this point right now for the rest of, for these next two games, my money would be unlikely being able to produce more than Andrews. Agreed. And actually looking at this Kansas City matchup in particular, who have been the number one defense against wide receivers this season, there's a good chance Isaiah Likely is a leading receiver on the Baltimore Ravens uh, in the AFC Championship game. Yeah, I I, I think I'd go with that. They, they're boy, the Kansas City defense. They they do some good things in their in terms of their pass rush, and they get Chris Jones lined up in something. But their strength is really at corner specifically, mm-hmm. even more so than at safety. Um, and and the uh, the Ravens are going to have to be very careful of that and uh, and make sure that uh, Legarius Sneed and Trent McDuffie and Josh Williams, who's who's had an incredible year and isn't even talked about in the same light as those guys, just an incredible year, um, yeah. uh, is uh, don't don't hurt them. Yeah, Kansas City seemingly uh, has become one of the best teams in the league at developing corners over the last few years, I'd say. Yeah. Um, between Charvarius Ward as well, who's, who's San Fran's top guy, they developed him also. So let's talk about a little bit, continue with the Ravens injury list. Kevin Zeitler had a rest day. I, I, you, he might have been a guy you weren't counting in the injury report. Yeah. Um, and then two guys, this is a little more concerning, who are special team standouts, mm-hmm. limited in DNP. So Delshawn Phillips, a limited, Tylen Wallace, a DNP. We'll probably get that into a little bit in terms of, of practice squad elevations, but I think there are implications for how the Ravens have to manage their roster if both those guys are out. Absolutely, and I think you could probably draw some correlation between that punt return to missing two of your core special teamers last week. Delshawn's been out for a few weeks now, as well as Tylen. Um, you know, punt, punt coverage, they still have Jeremiah Moon on the active roster. Um, they called up last week. Uh, Ross, as well as uh, Chisena as a gunner to kind of replace uh, Wallace. Um, could they call up Laquan Treadwell uh, again? Maybe. Um, I really hope they can get Phillips back out there because I think he's kind of the linchpin, uh, solidify, stabilizing force on the special teams unit. Yeah. Uh, you said Phillips or Wallace. You're hoping they get back out there. Phillips. Phillips, Phillips, Phillips yeah. in particular. Yeah, I, I think I think if I'm gauging what you're saying, you're not expecting Wallace to be available based on the DNP and the knee injury, and I'd probably be in the same space. So it'd be, I think it'd be great if Phillips could play. A lot of attrition this season has had a trickle down effect on the special teams units. You know, when Justice Hills your becomes your your lead back, he can't necessarily take on the same snap share. Um, safeties and getting hurt inside yep. backers, you know, and it's starting to become a thin area. And, and safety is an area in particular that I think it's very important the Ravens carry four into this game. I, I couldn't believe they tried to play the game against the Texans with only three. But they did, and they got away with it. 
and you know used a lot of big nickel in the process with three safeties on the field. Uh, I don't want them to try that again. I really don't want that. And and uh, if against the Chiefs, if you lose a safety, and that means you have to do something either. You don't have Hamilton because he's the guy you lose, or you have to play Hamilton somewhere you don't want to play him. Uh, that would be a big loss. Right, and they don't have, you know, I guess our Darius Washington has some safety ability. Maybe Brandon Stevens. I don't, I don't think you can really move Brandon Stevens to safety at this point. I don't necessarily think you want our Darius Washington playing the back end after, you know, being on the shelf for three months now. Um, so you probably would have to move Kyle Hamilton unless you elevate – uh, Adams again, who is the only safety currently on the practice squad, and, and Adams is a is a pure back end safety guy. He's played free safety most of his career, so he would make the most sense uh, for, from that perspective. Um, I, I I think that I think that is the spot that would make sense. Jeremy Lucian they released again, so mm-hmm. he's not an option. But he also uh, you know is is trying to transition into a back end role. So hopefully uh, you know. Uh, well, hopefully he'll be back for starters. But but anyway, the, with with the uh, uh, in the case of Adams, uh, hopefully he's the guy this week. Sure, I agree. But just essentially, if you're looking for you know who's going to be the practice squad call ups, I'd say most likely is safety Adams and somebody to help on special teams. Yep, yep, absolutely. I would agree. I would agree with that. Let's go back to the injury report because there's still a couple more things to discuss. And the big one being the Ravens situation at corner with Marlon Humphrey. Still limited. There's certainly video coming out of practice that makes things look a lot better than it did. And now Rock Yassin showing up is limited as well with a knee injury. Right. Uh, you know, certainly hope you get Marlo back out there. He's played, what, a seven-year career at this point, and I, he's been chasing this these deeper levels of the postseason. You know, he's dying to get out there. Certainly would be a benefit to the Ravens, countering the Chiefs' uh, screen game with his physicality, as mm-hmm. well as, you know, some of their bigger body kind of possession targets like a Rasheed Rice. I think Marlo would be a pretty good matchup. So, you know, fingers crossed, really hoping Marlo is available. If not, you are very, very thin at corner um, and safety, which is not great going against Mahomes. It's a very bad combination to be short at both those positions at once. And, you know, they basically had this the last week. And, you know, the, I was shocked, I absolutely shocked by the practice squad elevations last week. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. anyway. I'd never heard of Chisena. I thought he was the Italian uh, winger who scored the uh, the goal in the World <laughs> Cup. There you go. <laughs> a guy who had 432 speed reportedly coming out of college, and I don't know where that was timed, so it might have been one of these pro day things, but but it's certainly a, a very fast uh, player who uh, you know had, had played a long career on special teams as a gunner. He, he's been four years in the league anyway, and, and he's had a missed tackle rate of something like 57%. I looked at it, hmm. but he's gunners miss more tackles, by the way, that that's normal you took for you to miss more tackles, but 50 or 7%, that ain't normal. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, let's go to the chief side of the, of the, of the uh, uh, ledger here. And there are quite a few injuries here. Mike Edwards, uh, one of the really big ones at safety, a concussion uh, DNP and just go through the other guys who were DNP sky Moore is been labeled for, for to return, but he did not play within the injury. Uh, Derek Nadi, a huge one, potentially an, a, uh, who has a triceps injury and was a, did, uh, did not practice whether he goes or not. I think that's a, that's a player that um, being without him and having a very undersized defensive line could really hurt the chiefs. Yeah. Nadi is, 
you know, that prototypical nose nose tackle. Chiefs are 27th DVOA against the run, and that is with him playing the majority of the season. So mm-hmm. could be an area to attack. Yeah, he, he certainly has not been a particularly good run defender, if you believe PFF grades. Um, and, and that said, I mean, you know, if you take out a big body from that team, I don't, I don't see how you get a win. I don't care. I don't care how, um, how you, how you gain from it. I should say they, they could still get a win, unfortunately. Um, right. Well, is he playing above the guys that are behind him? Then he's better than them. Right. So, uh, so yeah, there you go. Isaiah Pacheco, obviously, you know, the, the, the chiefs number one guy in terms of the run game, uh, is DNP. They, now the chiefs interesting talking about these last two positions, the chiefs have allowed, um, 4.7 yards per run, which is among the worst, and obviously even worse than the Ravens, who've you know made tactical decisions to allow that. Um, and, but they've also run for 5.5 yards per carry this year. Yeah, they have uh, you know one of the best interior offensive lines if everyone's healthy, and we'll get to that in a moment. And Pacheco is another one of those late round undrafted running backs that uh, that hit the ground running. I mean, he, you could probably say he had a similar impact on KC last season during their Super Bowl run as Keaton Mitchell did for the Ravens uh, this year before he went down. Not quite as explosive, but in the same ballpark. Very good. Yeah, I, I, I I'm glad you put the caveats on that, but we're we're good with that. Um, both guard positions didn't a DNP or the Chiefs on Wednesday. Now, Trey Smith is expected back. He's got an illness. But Joe Tooney, a pec injury, had an MRI. Everything I'm hearing seems to indicate he's going to try like hell to play, but but either probably won't, which I think is probably more likely, or he will and he won't be particularly good. And they are already talking about the backup, Nick Allegretti, um, being the guy who would replace him. Right, and that would be a big loss. I mean, Allegretti's a decent player. He's probably comparable to a John Simpson type of guy, but you're you're losing. You know, Tooney is an above average, well pro above bowl. average blocker. Yeah, pro bowler. So, um, yeah, you know, we of course you once you reach this level of the postseason, everybody can do whatever they can to possibly play. The Ravens have a couple of players playing through a similar injury themselves this year, but uh, it, I don't think they necessarily came back that next week immediately. Uh, let's see. Any other big ones? Algerius Sneed limited with a calf injury. Um, again, probably just a case of them being careful, keeping out a star player, et cetera. I'm sure he'll play Sunday. Um, they had eight other guys who were full practice participants and have some injury listed. So they're playing through something or returning from something. And that includes Joshua Williams, who I mentioned earlier has had a great year uh, at corner for them. Yep. Tough game they had last week. Yeah, yeah, it was. It was. It was a. It was a physical struggle. So it's always nice when your opponent has one of those right before they come here. Good game for the Ravens. You know, to to stay basically avoid injuries. And we thought a couple of serious ones had, had might have happened. Gus Edwards left the game. Looked like he's holding his arm funny with about eleven minutes to go. He hasn't been on the injury report at all this week. Great news. Yeah, maybe a stinger. I I agree. We've done the show every week of the season. This is one of the cleanest. Uh, Bills exiting the game as they've had all the entire year. Yeah. Unusual for this time of the year. Let's let's go back to the practice squad for one second. I did have one more thing to say, unless you you have anything more on the injury report. We good on that? No, sir. Mm -hmm. All right. Um, You know, what was weird about the injury report is Duvernay and Washington did not see any action at all last week on on offense or defense respectively. And Duvernay was in there as a punt returner. He was in there covering some kicks. He was even in there on the the long – um, punt return 
Um, at least I believe he was. And Ardarius Washington, we didn't see on defense that we probably you know, should not have expected to, given you know the other players were basically healthy and he's just coming back. Um, but it's it's kind of funny. You have those guys back. Duvernay in particular could have been used in, to, for some gadgetry on offense. Um, and then you bring up a couple of guys from the, the practice squad to play who have a very minimal impact, I'll say, on on special teams. Agreed. You know, Duvernay, he was phased, he was getting phased out of the offense before he got hurt. Maybe yeah. their calculus is Wallace is hurt and without – Wallace or Duvernay were really in trouble returning kicks. So let's make sure Duvernay stays healthy. I was surprised. I think when you have a healthy lead there in the fourth quarter, why not get Washington a little bit more, uh, get his feet wet back into the scheme. They had, uh, I think, Moon uh, and Tavius Robinson both played a handful Good of point. snaps towards the end of the game. So why not let Ardarius? But uh, they chose not to. So here's what it is. Yeah, same same thing with Duvernay. It's I understand it's a little bit harder to get him in on the offense when you're just basically showing run and actually running for minus three, without concern of the consequences of that. Um, but you know, getting Duvernay in maybe as a blocker on such plays or you know, just be involved perhaps in in distracting motion on such plays would have been kind of nice, even if that was that was all he did. Uh, weather this Sunday. We're looking forward to a uh, what appears to be a rainy game. I don't know how windy it will be. I, I have a hard time believing it will be as windy as last week. But uh, uh, I, I, you know, my opinion, the wind did not play the biggest impact on the game. But on the other hand, we didn't see a lot of long passes from Lauren Jackson mm-hmm. in that game. Sure. Well, the big the big one was the Tucker, you know, breaking the ice and calming the nerves with that big long. Team team postseason vict, uh, length uh, field goal, uh, yeah. So anyway, high of forty eight at the kickoff. Uh, pretty much, you know, what is that? Thirty degrees, twenty degrees higher than last week. Um, about a quarter of an inch of rain I saw. Yeah. Total down downfall throughout the day. So, you know, that's not uh, dumping necessarily, although that could change. Um, but yeah, I think a better environment, maybe maybe somewhat similar to. Uh, the Rams game, which is the one that I attended with my kids this year, that was a great game to see. So uh, probably similar. And and you know the 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 worst football conditions possible. They aren't twenty five degrees. It's like thirty five and raining. That's the worst right. possible conditions. <laughs> yeah, that's it's basically what we had for the Steelers game, and mm-hmm. we we want to avoid that at all because I don't think it's going to be that kind of cold. Uh, may even top fifty degrees on the day, and we'll we'll uh, we'll see. But uh, but anyway, I, I honestly don't believe the weather is going to have that much of an impact on the passing game. But if it does, it's probably a slight positive for difficulty of receivers uh, uh, continuing to cover. And uh, couldn't really say for sure who that would benefit. But uh, hopefully the the uh, the Ravens and Lamar are able to make use of it. Well, probably I would say that probably benefits Baltimore from that ability because they just call a lot more zone than KC does. KC plays a lot more man. Um, I think, you know, they must have a lot of players from the southeast quadrant of the U.S. that are probably more used to this weather. Roquan Smith, Marlon Humphrey, Lamar, Odell Beckham, Zay Flowers, you know, a lot of these guys. And I have wondered in past years, do they not have enough guys from the upper Midwest when they're, you know, going into Buffalo uh, in the postseason? You know, it's anecdotal, but just a thought. So I think the Ravens are the better rushing team and the better run defense. So if it's a little bit messy out there, 
Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. It probably helps them more than KC. Yeah. And and I think you make a good point, too, if I'm, if I'm inferring this correctly, that the, the KC corners are the ones who could really be hurt yeah. by... Uh, you know, their their value can really be minimized. It's like a high win game is going to minimize Tucker's value, for example. You, you you certainly don't want that. Although some people say, well, our kicker can kick it right through the wind kind of thing because he's right. just a Tucker. <laughs> uh, no, you don't want your big advantages <laughs> mitigated. And and uh, I think those, that is one potentially. All right, we got another topic to move on to here is the coaching carousel. And we've, we've had a, a very um, tense interview filled couple of weeks here leading up to the divisional game uh with with uh mcdonald weaver and munkin all getting individual um at least i believe each of them had at least two interviews and mcdonald had something like five during mm-hmm. the time um but now we, we had another coaching position cleared today and it was one of the ones that was still up in the air. One of really two that I think are still up in the air and might include the Ravens. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. Uh, Canales went to Carolina. We thought that might be a tougher job to fill because that owner is uh, developing an uh, interesting reputation. So maybe that would be more, he would have to settle for a guy like a Munkin. At least I had that thought, but uh, no, they choose Canales who was an up and coming coach. We also had uh, the return of, of Jim Harbaugh to the NFL, taking the Chargers job, which uh, which could have some impact on the Ravens as well. Um, but I think it's, you know, only three jobs left, better than uh, seven at the start of the cycle with uh, every single team, you know, drooling over McDonald. feels a little bit more likely they're going to be able to keep him. Yeah, it does. Um, you, you go through the remaining jobs, and a lot of the information I've got comes from an outstanding article, best I've seen on the topic, from Connor Orr. Um, which talks about the various jobs and what people want. And, and Connor has some of the most interesting, he's been on the show before, uh, which which really, that's a great guest when I can get somebody like that. But we we, we had him, uh, sorry, he, he talked about the Atlanta job and that people have kind of been assuming the whole time that Bill Belichick uh, will get. Connor's take on is he believes Arthur Blank wants something a little different than that. I'm, I'm using his words for that. Um, and ideally a built-in, QB fixer. And so he thinks that's where Slowick is headed. Um, and Slowick has a has an interview coming up at Arthur Blank's house, which is always mm-hmm. a, a big one. Remember the old, uh, uh, who was it? Lawrence Phillips, who had the six hour dinner with, uh, <laughs> yeah. With, yeah, with uh, Modell. Modell. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think so. You know, Washington, I think, could still make a play for McDonald if they don't end up with Ben Johnson. I'd kind of be surprised. I think Seattle's probably going in a different direction. I'm not sure about Atlanta. According to uh, – I'm not sure who sourced this, but Kyle Barber's been tracking it on beatdown. They have – Atlanta has requested a second interview with both McDonald and Weaver, which have not been fulfilled yet. I think the way it is, 
they do the 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 online the video conference interview while your team's still playing, but the in person interview doesn't actually occur until your team's eliminated. So I wouldn't cross them off, but uh, again, it's better to have you know one or two you know than uh, than everybody chasing your guys. Hey, it's it also is good that there seems to be a heavy bias towards offensive coordinators this time around. And Monken, while he's been excellent for the Ravens, he's he's you know done wonders for this offense this year. Um, is not a guy at his age who is the dynasty building um, right. uh, you know head coach. So you want to build a dynasty, you get one of the young guys. And there's a bunch of great young guys in the NFL doing it well coming from the Shanahan tree, you know, do all of the, the, you know, the general indicators that, that give you a great chance of getting a head coaching job. Um, and then it's, uh, you know, it, it does not look to me like Monken's going to get, it. I'm very interested in the second um, uh, interview for Weaver. Um, it would strike me as something, I don't know what the rules are, by the way, the Rooney rules are with regard to, needing to have in-person interviews as opposed to Zoom interviews and this or that. I hope it's not just checking a box in their case. Uh, my guess would be it is not. My guess is mm-hmm. they loved him on the Zoom interview because he comes across extraordinarily well. Um, yes. you're, just, you're speaking to him. So I would think he's he could be a real candidate still, uh, probably is still disadvantaged by the fact that he's a defensive guy. Yes, yes. So we'll see where they go in Atlanta. You know, it's interesting – I don't know. Their 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 roster is uh, very interesting. But uh, speaking of you know further uh, interviews, Denard Wilson, the Ravens' current defensive backs coach, who's done a marvelous job, I yeah. think, developing Brandon Stevens and refining Mallet and Darby. Um, he has interviewed. He's already interviewed for the Giants' DC job, and yesterday was requested by the Titans to to interview with them. So, uh, and Hewitt. Hewitt also interviewed for a DC job, the passing game coordinator. Uh, so I think you could see maybe I'd be surprised if you don't lose any assistance the whole cycle, but right. You know, we'll see. Yeah. That's uh, that, that it, it, it of course would be unfortunate, but, but there's a couple of things you need to do. One is with coaching and the loss of DCs that naturally comes and even the losses of head coaches that you see coming down the road, have a succession plan in house and the Ravens have, Right now, you know, they have two guys I think you could give the head coaching role to who I'd have no reservations about doing it currently. And that would be either Weaver or McDonald. I wouldn't give it I, – I don't think you're building anything if you if you give it to Monken. I think you keep him as offensive coordinator as long as he'll stay. You pay him very well, but I don't think you're building anything. By, right. by making him a head coach. If you, if you, if at some, for some point, if some reason Harbaugh does something which gets himself fired, um, you know, I think you, you look at those. But the other is, you know, you have a natural kind of a succession plan at each of your subpositions. And, you know, it's one of the normal questions in any organization you ask is who's your replacement if, if you get run over by a bus tomorrow? And those questions happen all the time. If they're not asked, the organization is not run well. Right. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I think the Ravens have, since the time of Billick, at least, have always had a very good plan for this. Absolutely, a hundred percent agree with that. They a lot of these coaches are product of that succession plan, you know, and they were further down the trough earlier. Uh, just one more to mention: Joe Ortiz, uh, the Costas, basically his number two man, or if, if Ozzy's the conciliary, then he's the the capo regime, I guess. Um, second interview with the Chargers. Uh, 
I think there's a connection there with the Harbaugh's potentially. They, they seem to trade some guys back and forth. Um, he's blocked by DaCosta. You know, it's not like he's DaCosta's, you know, getting up there in years. Um, the only thing is Chargers are really in cap hell right now. They're one of the two or three worst cap position teams. Uh, but I wouldn't be surprised if he took that job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that would be a shame. Uh, hopefully the the Ravens are growing more talent that that we may not be aware of exactly who the next guy is, whether it's it's a scouting guy uh, or a or even somebody else, maybe a cap guy coming in that would would be a GM. You know, one of the things if if you don't come from the football operations side and and are I, okay, that's not fair because a cap guy would be on the football operations side. But if you don't come from from out of some play yourself or a coaching background or graduate assistant background or whatever into scouting and you, you you don't go through the GM that way. I think one of the essential qualities you need to have is being a consensus builder. Mm-hmm. So you really need to understand how to take the advice of your people. And that's one thing the organization has done extremely well during both the, the Newsom and DaCosta eras is really having those um, discussions about players uh, um appropriately and aggressively argued aggressively is probably the wrong word, but I think they, I think they might say it's true um, among their own scouts that they'll, you know, mm-hmm. they'll take it out of the room. They'll go to the bathroom. They'll still be talking about it. I mean, that's, this is, that's just a good football organization trying to convince people uh, and try to build consensus. Sure. The Socratic method. Um, and Matteo, Nick Matteo is in that vein uh, by the, one of the Ravens best cap guys or main cap guys, uh, and he was drawing interest from, I want to say Atlanta, but he was also a name that was floated there. I think it's just inevitable when you have a season this prolific that you're going to lose some coaches, maybe some front office guys to probably a couple of your pay- players, homegrown players will be overpaid by other teams on the market. Mm-hmm. And that's just the nature of the cycle. I don't think there's much you can really do about it. Right. Well, as always, great teams have to make heartbreaking decisions about their players, and it's just a it's just a byproduct of drafting extremely well. But there is no other way to build a, to build a good team, and and the alternative of having to, to you know trade for a player mid season like the Bears did, so you have time to try and coerce him into a signing, is right. is a <laughs> lot worse. Very true. Uh, Very true. Let's get a big question we talked about beforehand was. Can this be a successful season for the Ravens? Would it be a successful season in your eyes if they lose this game on Sunday? So I think we need a little context here. Um, I've on record previously saying any season where you make a conference championship game, make the final four is a success. I think there is a little bit of a qualifier here because the Ravens between use of void years and not likely to be earned incentives have essentially borrowed 30 million from their cap whether next year or however they decide to, to prorate that. Sure. Right. Um, personally, this is tough because they've raised expectations, I think, for everybody. They're considered the best DVOA team of all time at this point. They're right here on the precipice of making that Super Bowl. But I still would consider it a success even if they lost this game to KC. Personally, I've been frustrated by the contend every season uh, you know, barrier uh, ever since the Anquan Bolden trade. And 
they were, I think they got a little bit too comfortable saying, let's just get into the playoffs and try to get hot. And this year they find the Casa said, you know what, we're going to build the best roster in the NFL. And they've done that. And I think they should be commended for that. Um, applaud the efforts and the willingness to pivot a little bit there, even though this may be detrimental to their chance in the future. And this may be their best shot they had. And if they don't make it, regardless of the outcome, I still do think this was a successful year. Okay. Well, I, I'll, I'll buy into the successful year. I, I don't want to um, see this create a precipitous drop. And, you know, obviously there was some money that was not spent well this year, but there was a whole hell of a lot of money that was very well spent this year. And, you know, we, we've got to be fair about the, the on balance, the free agents that they signed have been excellent bargains. Um, the contract they gave out to Rokon Smith has paid off. Um, probably the fact that they didn't sign up for Patrick Queen's fifth-year option um, is now looking pretty good in terms of he'll go to the market and get and get paid for it. Um, the Matabike situation is maybe the only regrettable one in terms of not getting him signed early. They signed Broderick Washington in in this last offseason, but uh, I, I'm I'm on board that that you know I can't. There's no way to look at this season how great it's been. And not be happy about it, but we are we're not looking into an abyss next year because they've got Lamar Jackson, they've got a lot of the pieces they will still have. They're just going to fill a lot of spots with cheap players. They're going to have to go yeah. cheap all over the field. Yeah, and and I think you know that's a little bit of a theory of you don't want to have a barbell roster versus a top heavy roster, um, and that's that could, I think it could work both ways really. But just to the point that. They have been more aggressive this year. There are going to be consequences to that. And they haven't, you know, hypothetically could, could lose this Sunday and this, and it all is gone. Um, I still think it was a good choice to, to do, to make those moves and to chase the opportunity that they had, uh, even though there are going to be some consequences down the road. Our, our, I'll give you one other facet of this that I think. How much of the Ravens' greatness this year do you really ascribe to aggressive spending as opposed to remarkable position and coordinator coaching that has had units performing way over their head? Because start at, start at cornerback and, and Denard yeah. Wilson and what he's done. I mean, that group has overperformed by so much. It was supposed to be the biggest weakness entering the season and certainly seemed sure. that way. Sure. No, I think the coaches deserve a great deal of credit. Um, you know, the scheme, or especially the defensive side of the ball, being, you know, just something that's a little bit different and new and probably is going to be proliferated across the league when some of these assistants leave. Um, yeah, I think to me it was the moves they made in training camp um, where getting the clowny and Darby and then Van Noy in what was that late September where in previous years they would have said, well, maybe let's see if Ojabo is going to develop here and, you know, JED is going to develop. This year they said, no, we're really close now. Let's go out and get Clowney and give him an incentive to deal. Let's go get Darby, who has a well, not a great uh, career, but has a great pedigree. And um, it all came together. It all came together beautifully. Um, this is definitely going to be a season to remember. I, no, no doubt about that. And I mean, 2019 was a season to remember too, and we wouldn't trade it for anything in terms of uh, of what happened. I, I mean, obviously we trade it for having a Super Bowl that year, but you wouldn't trade it for almost any other season in Ravens history, even even some of the good ones. So, uh, uh, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I agree. I, I think it, they have they have put themselves in a position where they're going to have to bet on development next year, 
and I hope they can put the coaches in place, which are not cap decisions. That's just you know budget decisions. Um, but they they can if they can get the coaches in place to help some of those players develop because the big names next year are going to be all their draft picks for starters. Andrew Voorhees is going to be an enormous name for next year in terms of what he can do for this team. Uh, they're going to have to make some decisions on some free agents in terms of of who's cheap and who they can get back. And a player like John Simpson is right on the bubble playing for the Ravens next year or not. Would he be valuable depth? Maybe. Is he somebody the, the Ravens should be giving up on at this point? Maybe. Ben Cleveland in year four, can they finally get him going and on the field and and producing in a meaningful, positive way? You know, I, and and because of those choices that are pending, do they have to do you know certain very difficult things like let Kevin Zeitler walk? Um, and and obviously let Patrick Queen walk, let let Geno Stone walk, and find another safety there who who can help them. Yeah, I'd imagine most of those players are probably not going to be back. You know, Trenton Simpson, Travis Jones, they have some uh, some up and coming players already around. Uh, the other avenue I think is when you build the reputation of a perennial, not just a contender for the postseason, but a contender for the actual Super Bowl, then you can start having some players sign a little bit cheaper with your team uh, than they would elsewhere, I think. I think that probably applies to Clowney this year. Um, Let's say hypothetically, knock on wood, the Ravens don't, whether they they lose one of the next two games, um, can they go take that and pitch that to the the next, whoever the next Jadavian Clowney is that's available in August who's looking to Re, re, uh, resurrect his career and, and and play for a champion or at least a near champion. I think that there's some there's some uh, appeal there as well. Great, great point. And we we you know it's really looked like the Chiefs have done this for years. And I've always felt mm-hmm. like why do they keep getting him? It's kind of like you know North Carolina when I was a kid got every good recruit. Then Duke got every right. good recruit. And, you know it's just. Mm-hmm. until until you're until you're Carolina or Duke, then then yeah. you then you're in the then you're feeling good, sitting pretty. All right. Always a pleasure doing the show with you, Voss. Tell folks where they can find your work online. Okay. At Twitter X, I am at Vasilis Beatdown, V-A-S-I-L-I-S Beatdown. I am an author and editor for Baltimore Beatdown Blog, part of the SB Nation. Um, and I have another podcast called at uh, called Raven's Way Pod. You can find us on Twitter at Raven's Way Pod. That's with Yuri. We live stream every Thursday night. All right. Other folks out there, if you'd like to be on a film study short, hit me up. DMs are always open on Twitter. I'm really kind of lining up for the postseason at this point. There will be some opportunity before the Super Bowl if you have a pod for that. But more importantly, think about what make a a good pod um, of a couple of different types. If you have a multi-stage pod, that'd be great. If you have a teaching pod of some sort, and it can be two ways. You want to teach somebody something about football, and we can do it graphically. We can do it with you know stills or or with or with film, whatever you want. I'm happy to to host you on that sort of thing. Or if maybe you don't you don't want to teach it, but you want to be taught it. Like what? How do I find all the great websites for information on football analytics? Uh, we're, we're thinking of doing a series on that uh, as well. So it'd be a, it'd be an interesting uh, thing. I want to hear what your ideas for podcasts are this offseason. Anyway, DMs are always open. I'll respond to you very quickly. For Vasilikos, this is Ken McCusick saying goodbye, and we'll talk to you next week, we hope, on Friday Morning GM.
save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.